The following is brought to you in part by MFC Studios. The views of the show's host and guests do not necessarily reflect those of the management, owners, or staff of this radio station. And now, it came from the radio. Welcome once again to It Came From the Radio, the official of the Back Apple Con. This is your host, Mark Torres, speaking with me for our 39th live show, courtesy of the East Metal Public Library, social distancing via Zoom. I have none other than our very own Jen Elise Feldy. Hello. Good evening. And we have our special guest who we're going to, who we're going to be talking to with and about. It is none other than Todd Matthew, who is a comic book creator. Hello in Radio Land. All right, so we're going to talk with him in just a minute, but before we do that, we have to take it away with the news. It's morphin' time! The news is brought to you in part by the fine folks of the Big Apple Con, in which we are the official radio show of celebrating over 25 years of comic bookness and pop culture stuff. For more information, go to www.bigapplecc.com. Their next convention, in theory, should be on May 1st and May 2nd of 2021. Also want to give our shout-outs for our Patreons, of which there are Danny <laughs> Grillo, award-winning director Jared Burrell, Kyle Horn, Millie Portez, Newsday Famous Dresden Media, Wenji Kun, Shadow Rabbit Art, The Huracan, and Yasmin and Ray. If you guys want to get your own little shout-out, go to www.patreon.com, and just for a dollar, you can get a shout-out on our show. We would greatly appreciate it. So let's start off with the news. As always, we start off with the sad news. Um, actor and director Keys Byrne, uh, Hugh Keys Byrne, died recently. As of this recording, no cause of death has been announced. Um, he has been in such films as Stone, the man from uh, Hong Kong, Trespassers, the original Mad Max, Ginger Megs, Strikebound, For Love Alone, The Blood and the Heroes, just to name a few. On the small screen, Hugh appeared in such shows, made with TV movies as Rush, The Triborn Affair, The Outsiders, Death Train, Secret Valley, Runaway Island, Badlands, Singapore, Slaying Old Flames, Journey to the Center of the Earth, and Farscape, just to name a few. Uh, Hugh is perhaps best known for his role of Immortan Joe in Mad Max Fury Road. Did you guys uh, see that movie, Fury Road, Mad Max? Oh, yeah. So you know exactly who that is? Yep. Jen, I know you're not a big fan of uh, that stuff. Did you watch Fury Road by chance? I think Fury Road is a good title for 2020. Feels <laughs> like a Fury Road over here. <laughs> no, I, 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 years ago, I don't remember. All right. That's, that's fair enough. So he was a, a, a young 73. Uh, more sad news, moving on. Uh, wrestling producer and legendary creative consultant Pat Patterson also died recently from liver failure caused by a blood clot. In addition to being an in-ring performer, Pat was known as WWE, WWF at the time, Vince McMahon's right-hand man. So many of the things that you see today in the world of wrestling, such as the Royal Rumble, Pat had a hand in. Uh, of note, Pat was one of the first openly gay figures in wrestling and was uh, never turned into a storyline or made an issue as the wrestling world just accepted him as he is. Um, you guys any wrestling fans, Todd, Jen? Big, huge one. Um, <laughs> been watching since like 88 or so. Um, 
actually working on a wrestling project that I want to get off the ground. So, and I have a little small one that may be coming uh, sooner. Oh, wow. All right. Uh, wrestling. Jen wrestling fan. Yeah, I I like wrestling. I'm not, I don't know that much about it, but from what I've seen, I love it. Whenever I go, it's like sketch comedy mixed with athletic theatrics. That's That's perfect. It's right up my alley. Yeah. Um, So he was uh, another young 79. Uh, More sad news. A lot of people, a lot of sad news this week. Um, Actor Warren Berlinger also died recently from cancer. Warren, Warren was in such films as Teenage Rebel, Three Brave Me, Because They're Young, the Wackiest Ship in the Army, All Hands on Deck, Thunder Alley, The Long Goodbye, Four Deuces, I Will, I Will for Now, The Shaggy DA, Cannonball Run, The World According to Garp, Going Bananas, Outlaw Force, Ten Little Indians, That Thing You Do, and they call him Sasquatch, just name a few. He was really an old-time uh, uh, actor, and I know our senior correspondent would probably know more about him. Um, do you guys recognize any of those films? I think we're okay now. Um, New Heart, of course. The Garfield show is what I do every night. I eat a lot of food like Garfield. (laughs) So um, he was a a young, super young 83. All right, moving on for more sad news. I I got two more to go. Uh, actor, comedian, and musician David L. Lander also died recently from complications from multiple sclerosis. David appeared in such films as, here we go, Holy Moses, Used Cart, I love that movie, uh, The Man with One Red Shoe, Who Framed Roger Rabbit, A League of Their Own, Tom, The Iron Giant, Christmas with the Cranks, and Zoom, just to name a few. On a small screen, David appeared in such shows as, Will the Will, Hooey, Will the Real Jerry Lewis Please Sit Down, The Bob Newhart Show, Happy Days, Highway to Heaven, Galaxy High, Father Dowling Mysteries, Married with Children, Star Trek Next Generation, Head of the Class, The Original Twin Peaks, Tom and Jerry Kids, Batman the Animated Series, The Little Mermaid, The Series, Tattooed Teenage Alien Fighters from Beverly Hills. I remember that show. The Nanny. Yeah. Homeboys, that was when the Power Rangers was a big thing. Everybody had to make their own. Probably the worst, like, Power Rangers, like... Uh, rip off yeah it wasn't even based on a japanese show no it really wasn't and it was and really they, bad they had like a bad muppet and a guy in, like, <laughs> a bucket for a head as a villain i remember like seeing it and i remember the commercial was like tattooed you got to remember the name teenage fighters <laughs> 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 uh-huh. and i'm like from beverly hills and it just looked like I'm, like what i'm like it looked as bad as it sounds. <laughs> it, yeah, it did. And it's just like, you know, was there even a toy company behind this? It's like, why are you making this? It sounds I, perfect. <laughs> really? <laughs> I know you love that type of stuff. Yes. Um, he was also in, on then. he was also in The Nanny, Homeboys in Outer Space, Superman Animated Series, Pacific Blue, Jungle Cubs, The Bold and the Beautiful, 101 Dalmatians, The Series, Black Scorpion, Oswald, The Garfield Show, Break a Hip, and Goldie and Bear, just to name a few. Of course, David is best known for his role as Andrew Squiggy Swiggleman for 156 episodes of the series Laverne and Shirley in the 70s and 80s. You were a fan of Laverne and Shirley? You knew Squiggy. Uh, Jen, were you, were you around mm-hmm. back then for the 70s and 80s? Yep. For Laverne I remember and Shirley? Laverne and Shirley, yep. Mm-hmm. You remember Squiggy, the sidekick, the short one? That, no. Wow. No. He was, nope. he was the comedic uh, sidekick. Uh, Todd, were you a Laverne and Shirley fan? Not really. I guess I saw some reruns on like Nick. I remember the theme song, but I never really watched the show and the parody in Wayne's World. Oh yeah. Um, so he was a another young seventy three. And finally, finally, whew, the last bit of sad news. 
Um, actress Natalie, oh boy, DeSell Reed also died recently from colon cancer. Uh, Natalie appeared in such films and TV shows as Set It Off, uh, Def Jam's How to Be a Player, Sweet Hideaway, Medea's Big Happy Family, uh, Zoe Gone, Built to Last, uh, Cinderella, For Your Love, Eve, A Mother's Regan, Y'all Killing, <laughs> me, just to name a few. Of course, Natalie is most famous for co-starring in the film Baps alongside Halle Berry, a fun little movie that introduced me to Halle Berry's acting abilities. Um, Do you ever see uh, Baps? Yes, Baps is hilarious. And Def Jam's How to Be a Player is one of my favorite movies. Oh, man. Yes, she was uh, was in in that. Uh, Todd, are you a fan of Baps? I have not seen it or even heard of that movie, actually. Oh, you gotta. It's a classic. It's an old school, young Halle Berry classic comedy. It, it's run by the numbers. It's, you know, funny, but it has a little heart to it. And that's why I made it enjoyable. Uh, she was a super young 53. Yeah, really young. So moving on to the not as a sad news. We're off of the sad news. Hurrah, hooray. So from the now that the cookies are safe, you can still smell them in your home department. In a recent episode, we announced that Oreo had built a cookie vault to protect the cookies from an asteroid that had a 0.04% chance of hitting the Earth. Obviously, the meteor didn't, the asteroid didn't hit us. So now the Oreo has announced an Oreo-scented candle on their website. Um, executives say, <clears throat> get a whiff of milk chocolate's favorite cookie. If you ever wanted to trick your guests into thinking they just stumbled into a tour of the Oreo factory, our delicious scented Oreo candle is exactly what you need. We suggest mm. accompanying the scent with a few sleeves of Oreos for that full 360 degree experience. Um, you guys, fans of Oreos? Yes. Yeah. I think Ooh. it's fun- I think it's funny because the that's a new thing because we talked about the um, Kentucky Fried Chicken log that smells like chicken in your in your log in your fireplace, and now we oh have candles God. that smell like uh, cookies. This is perfect. I want both of them. So good, <laughs> and I can stick to my diet and actually eat the things that are good for me. And you it just smell. smell. Yeah, it smells mm-hmm. of chicken and, and, mm. and cookies. Mm. Um, the candle comes with a black jar and Oreo cookie design printed in silver as well as a silver lid. And it retails for just 13 bucks. So if you know people mm. who like cookies but can't eat cookies, get this candle. Me, me, me. <laughs> All right. So moving on from the Your Move Again Disney department. Shortly after announcing that they will release their new Wonder Woman sequel in both theaters and HBO Max on the same day, Warner Brothers has announced their entire 2021 film slate will also be released on both their streaming service and whatever movie theaters are open at the time. This includes such films as Suicide Suicide Squad Part 2, The Matrix Part 4, Dune, Space Jam, The New Legacy, The New Mortal Kombat, and Godzilla vs. King Kong, just to name a few. Executives say, <clears throat> we're living in an unprecedented times which call for creative solutions, including the new initiative, uh, Warner Brothers. No one wants films back on the big screen more than we do. We now know the new content in this lifeblood of theatrical exhibition, but we have to balance this with the reality that as most theaters in the United States will likely operate at reduced capacity throughout 2021. Um, apparently, uh, this is only a one-year deal, as execs say. <clears throat> Uh, with this unique one-year plan, we can support our partnerships and exhibition with a steady pipeline of world-class films while also giving moviegoers who may not have access to theaters or aren't quite ready to go back to the movies that chance uh, to see our amazing 2021 films. We see it as a win-win situation for film lovers and exhibitors, and we're extremely grateful to the filmmaking partners for working with us for this innovative response to these circumstances. Um, the biggest thing that I know so far is it seems that all movies on HBO Max will be uh, available at no additional cost 
beyond the initial subscription fee for the service. So, I mean, we've been talking about this for a long time about how movie theaters and movie theater companies are not friends. And this changes the, the game because now um, movie theaters are in competition with the home streaming services and, mm-hmm. it's, and they don't have to pay anything to see these movies that people want to see. And in addition, all the people that made these movies are out a lot of money. Yeah. How are the filmmakers going to make any money now? And that's the thing. They, they really aren't because they, they, a lot of deals, as, as I know, and you're an actress as well, Jennifer, um, mm-hmm. you get royalties, you get a percentage of profits and you get like all, all that stuff. So that's out the window if it's not going to make any money. And in in in, let's, say, let's say it goes to 50% of all the theaters. It's not going to make the money that they were expecting, the billions and millions of dollars, even mm-hmm. at, at normal. So it goes straight yeah. to the streaming service. There's no extra money being made. It's it's wild how how we've got here. Uh, Todd, you're a big uh, movie fan. Yeah, big movie fan. Yeah. So what do you what do you think of this whole? I mean, it's a game changer, really. It it, it is. Um, yeah, I mean, God, this is it's a lot to unpack because on the one hand, you know, um, yeah, I mean, like this is gonna you know, hurt, you know, movie theaters, but at the same, and and they're already hurting because, you know, people aren't confident enough to go to the movies. You still can't go to live concerts. Um, And, but at the same time, you know, taking like the executives out of it, they did already make these movies. Right. like, okay, the biggest example right now is Wonder Woman 1984. Right. Um, You were seeing like, a lot of that merchandising has been released because it was anticipated that this was going to be out in the summer. Didn't happen. Um, and they said, yeah, they don't want something like that to, you know, lose momentum for when it act from when it actually come. I mean, do they want it to come out in theaters? It'd be a dud. Or do you want to say that, hey, this movie drove people to the streaming service. Um, which is, and honestly, HBO Max, I mean, I don't have it yet, but now it's like, all right, I think I might sign, sign up for that now. I do want to see the, I do want to see that movie. And if they're releasing their other movies, some of which, you know, I'm curious to see, like Dune. Um, yeah, I'll get, I'll, I'll, I'll sign up. I mean, um, so I guess the plan is working with, for you, for them, because that's what they want. They want everybody to go to their streaming service. Yeah, they, they definitely, because they really don't, they don't have any big show on there that, that you're just like, oh, God, I got to see this, you know. Um, they, I mean, they don't have a big show on there that you could even say, like, you know, what people would sign up for a month just to binge. I mean, like, I don't know about you, but when Cobra Kai was on YouTube, I signed up for a month, watched it. It was like the cost of a movie, pretty much. And then uh, just canceled. Huh. You know? So what about you, Jen? What are your thoughts on, on this uh, groundbreaking maneuver? I just don't know how filmmakers are going to make any money. I just had a filmmaking meeting right here that left right before we started this. And, you know, unless they're going to jack up the rates for streaming services, I don't really see how filmmakers are going to be making any money unless they all start some type of OnlyFans or Instagram (laughs) pages where they're selling 
thing selling merch to everybody, but uh, I don't know. This seemed just this, this seemed like one more field that might be making no money. And filmmakers already a lot of times don't make money, and neither photographers are going extinct, and modeling world is going extinct. It just seems like a lot of fields are uh, not really going to be around. I think the only way, I mean, as as for the movie it's, itself, I think there's going to be some whole bunch of new contracts being made, a lot of new deals being done because this you're going to get more money up front as opposed to more back end with, with the streaming service. I feel Um, as for Mm -hmm. the movie theaters, we we've said it many times, they got to get that alternate alternative content out there. They got to do other stuff besides movies and they can't rely on these movies because the movie theater companies do not care about the movie uh, producers. Mm -hmm. They just don't. They, because they just want to get their stuff out. And now if you look at it this way for the Warner brothers perspective, they don't have to pay out as much to distribute the movie to all these other places. They just slap it online and everything's being filmed digitally anyway. So it's not like there's a processing or any type of extra stuff they have to do. And I think they're just doing it just to say that they put it in theaters. I don't even think that they're even counting on any of that money coming in. I don't think they care at all. I wonder. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. It's really, 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 really crazy how, how we got here. It's kind of like what happened with the comic book thing we were talking about before. You remember that, Jen? About the mm-hmm. distributor and they just didn't care and it went all crazy. So, oh, boy. Yeah, it's, it's, it's one of those things. Um, so moving on, uh, speaking of books, from the No One Reads Books Anymore department, uh, Repop, the folks behind your Comic-Con, recently announced that Book Expo, along with Book Con, will not be held in 2021 after being canceled in 2020 due to pandemic, which is uh, essentially retired. Execs say <clears throat> the pandemic arrived in a time at the life cycle of Book Expo and Book Con, where we've already been examining the restructure of our events to meet the community's needs. This has led us to the, make the difficult decision to retire the events in the current formats, as well as take necessary time to evaluate the best way to move forward and rebuild our events that will better serve the industry and reach more people that were able to before. We remain committed to servicing the book community and look forward to sharing more information in the future. Uh, Repop will continue to host the BookCon and Facebook group uh, and said that readers can find book-related content in upcoming virtual uh, metaverse events. Uh, for those of you who don't know, Repop created the metaverse as their online virtual convention due to the ongoing pandemic. Uh, Repop, they're like one of the big guys who make conventions. Uh, their BookCon was always a smaller event, just like regular books. And now they're like, that's it, we're done. So... Do you guys think that if we keep on going as is, it's going to be the end of the convention world as we know it? No. No. I don't think so. No, I think there will always be some type of convention once the pandemic ends. Just books, though. A lot of books are going out of style. Like, audiobooks are picking up. So maybe we'll have some type of convention for people listening to podcasts and audiobooks. That seems to be on the rise. So how do you have a convention for people listening to a show or a convention of people listening to a show? People can go be on the show, um, you know, and of course, you know, charge for autographs, things like that. Mm -hmm. Fair enough, fair enough. Um, Let's see. So we had the last bit of news. So uh, moving on to the last bit of news from the Saved by the Chicken department. KFC and Lifetime has teamed up to make a new 15-minute mini-movie called A Recipe for Seduction, starring none other than Mario Lopez as Colonel Harlan Sanders, as the creator of KFC. Executives say, 
Lifetime is the perfect holiday to bring home this spicy, unexpected tale to life. Through a terrific cast, with a wink to unique sensibilities celebrated in Lifetime movies, this co-production spotlights each brand's POV and marries them in a fun and an authentic way. The film promises to have mystery, suspense, deception, and foul play. Ha <laughs> um, mm-hmm. Recipe for mm-hmm. premieres on to Sunday, uh, December 13th at 12 noon. KFC movie. I can't believe the KFC has really gone all out. Um, you, guys, you may not remember this, Jen. I don't think you were on the show when we talked about it. Mm-hmm. Um, they had made a video game. KFC had a video game where you uh, go out and you try to date women. It was a, it was a game. Was like, I think it was like for free. And you mm-hmm. play the game online and you have to use the herbs and spices. You played as Colonel Sanders to try and meet your uh, Mrs. Colonel Sanders. So now they made the log for the, for the, for the, for the fireplace. And now they're having their own TV show. A mini movie, a 15-minute movie with Mario Lopez as Colonel Sanders. How ridiculous is that? Shouldn't you date a chicken instead? That would be more on brand to try to date chickens, not, right? I don't think. That's, that's a different movie. That's a different movie. Okay. Um, do you plan on watching it? I, I know you said you, you were a Saved by the Bell fan, right, uh, Jen? I like Saved by the Bell. Mario Lopez, though... I don't think he's human, so I don't know. <laughs> I think he's an alien, and I thought that, and then I saw Crack.com made an article saying that Mara Lopez, I think, is an alien or a robot or a subhuman species 10 years ago, and I thought, that's right. Someone else is thinking that, too, so I'm not so sure about the casting choice there. What about you, Todd? Are you going to watch uh, you gonna watch that Kentucky Fried Chicken movie? <laughs> uh, yeah, I think I'm going to pass. <laughs> um, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I think, I mean... <laughs> Lifetime. You're, you're speechless. You're speechless. Yeah, I mean, like, like, are they gonna be? I mean, if it's Lifetime, you know the Colonel's gonna do something. You know? Yeah. You know I mean? If if you go online right now, you can go on YouTube and you can see the trailer for it. It's just it's completely ridiculous. So like I said, I guess just to, to lighten everybody's mood, you should at least check out the trailer and then make your decision if you're gonna see the movie or not. I don't know. Sounds cool. Um, but that's it for the news. So we're going to take our break and we'll be right back with the came from the radio. Hi, you've heard my voice open and close the show. Now we want to hear your voice. If you have a business or product, you can record a commercial here. We offer 30 and 60 second spots. For more information, contact Mark at MFC underscore studios at hotmail.com. New comics are back at Cosmic Comics and Games of Baldwin. This January, get ready for the next DC Comics event. Future State! Cosmic Comics and Games is open Wednesday from noon to 7, Thursday from 2 to 7, Friday from 3 to 7, and Saturday from noon to 5. So if you want the latest Marvel, DC, Image, or independent comics, back issues, comic book supplies, or magic cards, please call Chuck at 516-763-1133 for all the details. That's Cosmic Comics and Games of Baldwin. Thank you and stay safe. Hey, this is Brimstone, and you're listening to my boys on It Came From The Radio. Hello, radio listeners. What are you thinking? We want to hear from you. What's working for you? What things would you like to hear more about? Write us your thoughts, and we'll read them on video. This is Brian Downey, Stanley Tweedle from the TV series Lex, and you're listening to It Came From Radio. Hey guys, this is Christy from Custom Cakes by Christy. I want you to know that I'm here for you. I'm keeping my private kitchen open for any needs your family may have. 
I've been focusing on bread, soups, muffins, quiches, and other basics, but I'm still accepting dessert orders as well. Please follow my Facebook for immediate pickup items. Private message me for custom orders. Custom Cakes by Christy, I-N-C-K-R-I-S-T-Y. Text me at 631-606-8166. Me Grimlock having fun on It Came From The Radio. Me Greg Berger also. Comic Book Depot has been in business since 1993. Your one-stop comic book shop for comics, gaming, and collectibles. The Comic Book Depot Club membership is $15 and gets you 15% off new comics, back issues, graphic novels, and 10% off comic book supplies. Located at 2847 Jerusalem Avenue in Wontaw, New York. Contact us on Facebook for curbside pickup because new comics are back. For more information, give Alan a call at 516-221-9337. The Comic Book Depot. This is Xenia Seberg, who played Zev on the show Lex, and you're listening to It Came From The Radio. Now, back to our show. And welcome back to It Came From The Radio, the official of the Back Con. This is your host, Mark Torres, speaking in our live show for our, this is our 39th live show, courtesy of the East Meadow Public Library. That's www.eastmeadow.info. And I'm here with none other than the Life With Jenner G's, Jennalise Feldy. Hello, hello. And our special guest we're going to talking to about is Todd Matthew. Hey. Um, just a quick mention that um, the East Metal Public Library has tons of uh, different programs that they have every single day. So if you guys are interested in many of their stuff, go to www.eastmetal.info. So let's start off with the, with the basics. Todd, um, give us a little introduction about yourself and how did you get into the comic book world? Okay, um, well, uh, I am a special education teacher by day, um, and I got into comics um, through, uh, initially, uh, the Marvel cards from, like, 1992. I was a big collector of them, and from there, I started reading the comics. It was around the time of the death of Superman, and um, then the X-Men show started, and I was just hooked, and... I've always been a kind of a visual guy and I liked the idea of being able to have something I could carry with me and I could read it and I could look at the pictures. And I said, and I always liked telling stories and I said, you know what, this is what I want to do. Um, and over the years I started doing things like around fifth grade, I used to, I found the phone number in like the little Indicas for, uh, for Marvel and I'd call them up to try to get information. I wound up speaking with like Tom DeFalco and um Holy crap, you really called Marvel and you talked to Tom DeFalco yeah. directly? Mm-hmm. That's wild. And Jim Kruger. Um I would lay and I, and I would call enough that they were just like, stop calling us. <laughs> then um my senior year of high school, um, I did an internship with Marvel. My school had an internship program, and it was around the time when Spider-Man was coming out. I was with the Ultimate line, and that was just when I was like, all right, this is what I do. This is what I, I need to do. Um, so over time, I started, you know, just, you know, learning, you know, how to write, looking up, looking at script samples, writing my own things. Um, and um coming up with you know just ideas and um i eventually hooked up with pronto comics and got my first short published in their blackout anthology 
I also then went to, I also had a couple short stories published in some independent science fiction and fantasy magazines. Um, and then um, I self-published my first book, uh, Wicked Game in like 2014 or so. Um, and while promoting it and then around that time I was working as a substitute teacher and um, I was in a first grade classroom. It was the end of the year and basically I was assisting a teacher and uh, she was, um, you know, it was the end of the school year. The kids were in school, the year was winding down. They were watching movies or they were finishing some activity. When the activity was done, um, she had coloring pages uh, for the kids that she printed out. Wow. For the boys, a robot for the girls, princesses. And right then and there, it just hit me like a ton of bricks. Robots versus princesses. Wow. Um, I started then developing it and workshopping it with comics experience. And then um, through being in the right place at the right time at MoCA, I, I flagged down and met Rich Johnson chatted him up and told him about the idea and he was like send it to me i'll post i'll post it on uh bleeding cool so i sent it to him posted uh the art i had on bleeding cool and the concept and um then i remember one day i'm at lunch and i get an email from dynamite and they're like hey we're, we're interested in this and i was like yes so that's when i um you know, we did a Kickstarter for it, uh, which was a bit of a process. But then finally, after getting it, after finally writing it all out, cutting it down from six issues to four, all the, um, and all the things in between, uh, it came out in 2018. The trade paperback came out last year and is available now at wherever comics are sold. Um, and it will make a great Christmas present. But that was you know, how I got my first book out and now I'm pitching around some projects and I'm hoping to, and I'm going to hopefully have a short that I want to put on Instagram up in about a couple of weeks, actually. All right. Hopefully. So, so, so let's, let's, let's go back for a second. Does the teacher get co-creator co -creator credit for making the robots and uh, princesses? Uh, Miss Zambrana, I will always give her a shout out. <laughs> I hope she's listening tonight. Great woman. Great teacher, too. So working in Marvel, is it like what you think working in Marvel would be like? Or is it just another office and people just doing their jobs? Um, it's people doing their jobs. Um, it's definitely a fun atmosphere. Um, but you definitely see the other side of it. You see the editorial and you see the work that goes into it and, and just the coordination and making sure things come out. You see, like... Um, you know, just like the rough like printouts, you know, that they have hanging up, you know, there to make sure things they're getting the art when they need it, you know, getting out comps to uh, the various creators, um, you know, making and just making sure everything runs. So and, and this was around the time of Spider-Man come out and they were and they wanted to make sure there was product out there for um, the Spider-Man movie because they I mean, they felt like they missed the boat with X-Men and they were just like, no, for Spider-Man, we're going to have things ready. We're going to have things ready for people to read. 
Mm. And, um, you know, I like to think I just, uh, I, I took some relief off the editors. Um, despite being very enthusiastic. Um, I took really, I feel like I took relief off of the editors and, uh, you know, hopefully helped get some stuff out on time. Uh, but I love the experience. I still talk to some of the people from there. Um, and I learned a lot and, you know, it made me want to do it and it made me appreciate everybody there. Um, all great people. Um, uh, and, uh, you know, it was, you know, it really was like, a dream come true now i'm just like trying to like i'm, I'm trying to get back there you know huh. uh, jennifer you have a question for todd um yes yeah, so when you first started drawing and writing for princesses because someone were to write for me they'd have to know who i am was there any people in real life or any princesses or actors or actresses you used for the inspiration for the princess characters the answer is yes to all of that um, so. yeah, my, uh, friend Nath Natalie, who I met when I was, uh, when I actually studied abroad in London, um, served as the model for, uh, Penelope. Um, the main character, Zara, is kind of like a mishmash combination of actual, um, girls I taught, um, I uh, modeled uh, one. I modeled Artilia a bit on uh, like Cleopatra, and um, you know I kind and uh, Clarice. I kind of modeled a bit on Belle, but with like you know, but uh, like a Spanish version. And she was mm -hmm. sort of inspired by Eve Torres from WWE. Um, okay. We had to change her dress color because I think like it, because originally it was fun fact in, it was originally yellow. Uh, and we were like, mm, this could get us some Disney. We could, <laughs> we could get Disney on us because, you know. Um, I modeled Queen Alita on my friend Lauren Jones, who runs a, who runs a shoe line, Lauren L Lorraine. Oh. Um, and with the robots, um, Gunner is definitely modeled on any trigger happy Western hero and, and mostly John Goodman. That's whose voice I hear. Mm -hmm. Ultimus is uh, Optimus Prime, obviously. Um, Tyrannus, you know, a lot of people think, you know, Megatron, but I actually think of, you know, when I hear his voice more like Leonard Nimoy's um, performance of Galvatron from Transformers the movie. Yes, yes, I'm well aware of that, yes. Yeah, and um, Wheeler was kind of just like, you know, you're, it wasn't inspired by Wheelie. Um, <laughs> he was definitely like kind of like uh, Iron Giant, you know, type, you know, but little robot, you know, you're hey there, have you heard about my robot friend type uh, character? And um, the fact that he was smaller, you know, just I suddenly realized, well, that's why. Originally, he was actually going to be a good guy the whole time. But then when we realized, then I realized the I actually ran it by one of the kids that inspired Zara. Um, and she said, no, nah, make him a make him a bad guy first so that there's growth. And I figured the reason why Darius would hate him so much is because he's small. So there is a question in the chat. It says, uh, is there any chance of a Romeo and Juliet story arc between organic and machine? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no. 
Not sure how that would work. Um, <laughs> you know, I do have an idea of like a little side story of novelette that I might want that I want to do. Or like we're basically um, Penelope, who's like the big fair, you know, princess, you know, fairest of them all, um, has to go somewhere. Um, there's an evil witch out there to steal beauty. And her mother will not let her go anywhere without, um, you know, a knight to escort her. And she chooses as her champion, um, Gunner. And I thought it would be very amusing to watch all these knights try to earn her favor while having to, like, try to, like, beat Gunner in the joust. And he's just slamming his fist down. <laughs> they, they just fall off their horses. Or just seeing, like, you know, monsters and, you know, whatever thing, an evil witch finally having to, like, stare down the barrel of, like, a giant laser gun. So this is set in um in medieval time? It's set in a world that's, you know, it, it is medieval. There's explanations for what, for what happened um, to separate, you know, the two societies and why robots exist in one corner and the uh, princesses exist in, like, a medieval world. There is a reason. Um, but yeah, there, there's definitely a reason. I don't want to get into it because it's getting into spoiler territory, but oh, fair enough. Uh, you will learn. Readers will learn. And it's definitely something I want to, it, and it's something that I do want to explore later on if I ever get the chance to do another story. Jen, you got another question for Todd? Um, I kind of view this comic as like the CK1 of comic books. Like CK1 is for men and it's for women. And this has... <laughs> princesses and it's super girly and it's also super masculine uh you know if you go by what is traditionally considered male and female um yeah so it's, it's interesting hybrid for the gender obsessed community we have going on in social media and media not not probably any of our lives but <laughs> yeah Do i figured it was a good book you know for brother and sister for parents mm -hmm. to you know say all right we're gonna read this you know no more arguing. Bring the family together. The, the brother and sister can read the same thing now. They don't have to yeah, go you off to their corners. Yes, exactly. So piggybacking, so piggybacking off of what Jennifer just said, um, is that something that you thought of when you thought of the concept or you kind of molded it to what you thought your target audience should be? It kind of came naturally because um, what happens, I feel, is like, you know, when you write a story like this and you're kind of writing there's certain expectations of things you want to see. I don't, and, you know, if you see robots versus princesses, you have an idea of what the princesses, of what princesses are like when you first hear it. You have an idea of what robots are like when you first hear it. Um, you don't want to just go right in there and subvert it because then it's not as much fun. It's a fun idea thinking of a, giant of a princess singing you know a song with animal friends sewing things and all of a sudden <laughs> a robot comes crashing through it's fun to think of cinderella at the ball and suddenly <laughs> optimus prime and megatron just come crashing it yeah you know so it's a it's one of those things where you kind of like you know what you take the tropes you take what's familiar and you kind of see where they overlap. You kind of see, you know, how, you know, you can make fun with this. How would they naturally go together? I mean, you could, and 
you're right. You keep it in mind. You try to keep it character focused because this is character. It, it's character based. Um, and then you realize, you know, where they can meet and you take, okay, here's a scene that you'd see in a princess movie. What happens when the robots get stuck in? Here's a scene you'd see in a robot movie. What happens when the princesses get stuck in? And, you know, and those type of people and how they would react to certain situations. Um, here's a Optimus, well, here's Optimus Prime telling the humans not to get involved. What would happen if an Arya Stark-like princess met him? What would she say mm-hmm. to him? And are we under the impression that the princesses do not have any powers? Is it just like Disney singing, magical power, singing power, power of love princess types, or like Sailor Moon type princesses type? They're Disney magical power singing types. And yes, I wrote songs for them. Did you really? Yeah. <laughs> That's great. How hard is it to do music in a comic book form? Think of it as poetry. You know, think of it as just you're writing the lyrics to the song and maybe have the tune in your head. But, um, you know, you write it out and just think, you know, poetry. Um, You know, it rhymes and it has a, um, you know, it could have somewhat of a rhythm and people can kind of like, you know, maybe fill it. I feel sometimes with poetry, you can fill in kind of like the blanks and if it's a song in in your head. Um, So... That's how I approached it. Um, so we have a question in the chat. Is there a comic book soundtrack of the album available? And do you get a copy with each purchase? Uh, uh, no, there's not, unless you want <laughs> singing. And I, um, well, don't recommend that. <laughs> so what, what made you decide to go for the independent route as opposed to bringing your comic to a quote-unquote Marvel or or Image or DC or one of the big companies be like, hey, I want to work on your thing as opposed to I want to do it myself, having worked for the big companies, even in a a small uh, fashion. Well, Marvel really, you know, they got their own thing. Um, I don't think there's really much, I mean, to my knowledge, they really aren't, they got their own properties and I don't think they really would, I don't think Marvel or DC really would have much interest in this. Plus also I wasn't, I got to also understand I'm not an established creator. Um, I'm not fresh off of an ultimates or Batman. I really, it's very hard, you know, to, you know, get an editor's attention, you know, if you don't have things published and I'd mostly had shorts and two self-published books um, out there before. Uh, really what happened was um, Image will look at anything um, but Image you got to fund yourself too or uh, unless they give you an advance um, from what I've from what I understand I, I don't really know how it works but with Image you got to you got to submit to them and they'll approve or disapprove um, really what happened was you know Dynamite wanted it and you know when you know, the guys who published the Game of Thrones comics who are publishing Vampirella, who are publishing, um, the, at the time, uh, Grumpy Cat, you know, <laughs> Red Sonia, mm-hmm. you know, they got, a, they got a portfolio and they got reach. So when they, um, you know, said they liked it, I was like, all right, this is, this is, this is where to go. You so can, can you talk a little bit about how the Kickstarter process works? 
Kickstarter was a learning process for me. Um, it was not an easy go. My first campaign for it failed and it failed because um, I wanted to fund all four issues, but nobody really knew who I was. I didn't have, I couldn't rely on just the concept alone. Um, crowdfunding, you've got to have a crowd. <laughs> um, so basically I stopped the campaign and I went back to square one um, and tried to build a crowd. Um, started talking to people, opening up a mailing. I created a mailing list where I'd send like, you know, journal entries every week with, you know, from the character's perspective so they could get to know the characters. Um, that actually became a Kickstarter reward where you get a PDF with um, all of them. I tried to put it in some order where it kind of like all ends right at the beginning of um, the neck of the first issue. Um, so I started doing that and, um, you know, putting out previews. I, I put together like a free preview book that I would hand out at conventions with information on joining the mailing list. And through that, I made a crowd and I decided to go to fund just the first issue. And, um, and we were, we had a successful campaign and um, then I was able to put out the book, but um, you know, to, uh, you know, pay for the artist and everything like that. But, so it's, it's interesting because when you say, I, I like that tagline, you need to have for crowdfunding, you need to have a crowd. Yeah. So um, Jennifer and I were talking about uh, social media and marketing many times. Um, do you find that because social media now is so prevalent in everyday life, it makes it easier to connect with the audience in that way? Um, yes and no. The thing about social media is it's like, yeah, you can connect with people that like that. And it is a way to find that you go into, you could join a Transformers group, news group and just be like, Hey, I'm working on this. That's like Disney with Transformers. Come check it out. Um, at the same time, you know, you're not the only one doing it. There's a lot out there and you got to get people, you know, you know, eyeballs on you. You got to show that, you know, you have something unique and, and hook people. Um, so it's, you know, I, like I say, yes and no. I mean, it's easy, like in music, it's easy, it's easy, it's easier now to get your music out to the most people, but it's also hard because, you know, there's so much now out there, um, you gotta find, you, you gotta find ways to target, you know, where to look, or, and where to get, and where to place yourself, um, so yeah, it, it takes a lot of, it takes a lot of work, and it takes a lot of trial and error, um, and it takes a lot of, you know, getting ready for disappointment like that. You're not going to get all of a sudden, boom, like, you know, mm -hmm. these, mil these million viewers. I just posted a video of me um, reading the first chapter of Robots versus Princesses and performing the characters, actually. It's on YouTube. And that's only gotten like 100 views. So there's a lot out there that you're competing with. Um, oh, yeah. But, you know, I guess... You don't know unless you try. And um, I guess the big thing I think with social media is, you know, don't have large expectations because um, at the same time, people, you know, have, they got their own things they need to do. And, you know, the algorithms like on Twitter change. I, I, I don't like every 20 minutes or something like that. 
Um, so you constantly have to be putting things out there and, um, you know, and it's hard to do. I mean, the reason why companies have hired social media managers is just so they can keep their stuff out there and people can know it's out there and not get, you know, every hour. Whereas when you're working during the day, um, you don't exactly have that time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's a hard, it's a hard game. It's not easy, but at the same time, it definitely does help. So I say it's a little bit of both. Jenny, you have a question for Todd? Oh, I was just um, giving away a free idea that you have zombies versus robots because a lot of humans are zombies now, just staring at their phone. Uh-huh. <laughs> so the human zombies versus robots could be a spinoff. That's what I was um, thinking about. I actually about. think that's been done. <laughs> I think IDW did a book like that. What? Yeah. My like, ideas are so good that people take them first. Yeah. Oh, well. <laughs> So it's a uh, social media time. So where can people find out more about you? Uh, links to buy the stuff uh, about your website, all that fun stuff. Um, you can find me at toddmathy.com. I have a Facebook page, which is uh, Todd Matthew. There's my author page. Uh, there's also um, robots, the robots versus princesses uh, page on, um, on Facebook, um, on Twitter. My handle is at Todd C. Matthew. And uh, on Instagram, it is the, it is also at Todd C. Todd C. It's also, it's Todd Matthew with no spaces on Instagram. So a lot of uh, the people that we have on the show, um, they always say that there's no money in comics and to do it for the passion. Would you uh, mimic that that saying? Yes, <laughs> absolutely. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. Um. Yeah. <laughs> Were you hoping weird. to get famous when you first started? Was that a hope that you wanted? Not gonna lie. Yes, it was. Okay. Uh, but be prepared. That's the first thing that's gonna be your disappointment. Um. Mm-hmm. It, it, it yeah it's like especially if you're like really um my advice to anybody and is if you are going unless you're working regularly for like marvel dc uh like under exclusive contract or working on their books you know you have a full slate and you're getting work regularly unless you're doing that do not quit your day job Mm-hmm. don't do it you're you're, you're doomed um I, I you you will not be able to make a full-time living unless- very very uh <laughs> hopeful and i feel like i can do anything after that thank you but let's, I, 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 I don't i want i want to put a positive spin on this why don't you talk about the the satisfaction you have when your book is actually done and it's out and it's finished that's a little positive because no matter what you still feel really awesome yeah Oh yeah, you're just like you open it up and you're like, oh my god, this is real. I'm like, I'm seeing my name. I walked into a comic store with my mom uh, down in Delaware this summer, and I was just like, oh my god, it's my book. Yeah, it, it, it's something I made is in a store in Delaware, you know, which is far from where I am, you know. So it's definitely, you know, it, it is very satisfying. I mean, it's a 
it's a huge high and I love creating and you know and that's why I'm trying to like do start putting up some shorts on Instagram is because I just want to you know just keep getting some ideas out there you know getting some stories out there you know because you know you're only as good as your last story and I can tell you I've grown as a writer since doing you know robots versus princesses and um you know some and I have some things that I've written and I'm just like, I just want to share these with the world. I want to see drawn. I want to see what it looks like. You know, I want to see an artist take what I did, what I told them and put their spin on it. So I can, you know, see it and just be like, Hey, you know, I made this, you know, so, you know, I'm proud of it, you know? So let's hit an important uh, part about your book. Is it beginning, middle, end? You get the trade payback, your full story, no cliffhangers, no buying, you know, other stuff. You just, I got the story and I'm good. I got the story and I'm good. There's a little bit of a setup for a second one, uh, but it's not necessary. I thought it would be a, it, it, I, th- I ended it on like a fun note, but there's no to be continued. There's no like worrying about, you know, oh God, did I miss something? Oh God, did I, uh, you know, there's no spinoff titles. It's one through four, self-contained and, uh, wrapped up in a nice uh, bow in the trade paperback, you know, which is beautiful, you know, beautifully designed. Um, there's some, there's some, I put in some back matter material that I did uh, because I thought that would be fun to kind of like add some depth to the world. And um, I, and, you know, I'm very, very, pr- I'm very proud of it. And um, I'm glad, I'm glad it's there. I like the fact the Kickstarter backers are in there, you know, cause it, you know, it's a lot of friends that helped me out there that I knew for a while. It's like, Hey, you know, your guys' names are print too, you know? And uh, so it's, it's there forever, you know? So we but, have uh, about, I'd say about less than five minutes. So just quickly, can you uh, discuss how the pandemic affects a Kickstarter independent comic book uh, guy? Um, hmm. Good question. Um, I think, you know, the problem with the pandemic, the pandemic, I think, especially in the comic stores, you know, kind of shut down was it hurt people's ability to get work out to, you know, people. Um, and, uh, you know, depending on, you know, what you're doing, I think it led to, and I think it led to a lot of companies maybe, you know, taking the time green lighting things, maybe even canceling books. So a lot of people, I think, turned to Kickstarter to get their ideas out there and maybe, you know, the publishers would pick it up or, um, you know, just to get their, you know, just to get the book out, you know, hmm. I think the pan, yeah, the pandemic, it's a tough one. I mean, it, it's, it's hit everything. I think comics, um, Comics could have been hit worse, but um, it still wasn't good for it, as it really was isn't good for anybody. But um, I, I'd say it definitely would let, led some people looking at alternative means of distribution. Let's just okay. say. So we're just about out of time, so it's time for our final thoughts. Jenilee's Felody, do you have a final thought for us? It's the same thing as always. Water, pick your teeth, and don't forget to floss, because I forgot last night, and I regret it. <laughs> So tonight I'm not going to forget. Everyone floss your teeth. <laughs> Todd, do you have a final thought for us? Um, thank you for having me, uh, everybody. You can get Robots versus Princesses from any outlet um, that sells comics. Uh, you can get it online. It makes a great Christmas gift. 
um, or holiday gift, uh, whatever you celebrate. And Kwanzaa. Kwanzaa, yep, great Kwanzaa gift. And uh, I hope you all, in, in, you know, enjoy it. Well, my final thought is this. It was a pleasure meeting you. It's a first time meeting you uh, face to virtually face, I guess. Uh -huh. uh, much continued success with the project. And when the next book comes out, come back and talk about it. Um, also want to mention that uh, we're going to have our next live show, which will be on January 2021, on January 13th with uh, creator Jonathan Syfax. Um, so make sure you guys go to www.eastmetal.info and uh, register for that next event. Um, so that about does it for this week on the Came From The Radio. Join us right here any week on this radio station. If you miss any part of our show, go to our website, www.itcamefromradio.com. Listen to our archives video in a week or so. Check us out on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Uh, we have a YouTube page. Also want to mention we are on uh, www.btdradio.com. Uh, thank you guys very much, and we will see you next week. You've been listening to It Came From The Radio with Mark Torres. The views of the show's hosts and guests did not necessarily reflect that of the management, owners, or staff of the station. We now return you to your earthly scheduled broadcast. <laughs>